0: Bibles, turn with me to 1 John, and of course, I've got it on the transparency here, but let's go to 1 John chapter 2. And how many of you are getting something out of 1 John? Boy, it's good stuff. This is good stuff. We need to learn the Word of God, need to be taught the Word of God. And if you can turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, verse 9, let's stand together and read two verses, and then you can sit down the rest of the evening, and I'm going to teach. We're going to get at least through to verse 15. Now, if we don't make it past verse, verse 15 tonight, next week we're going to be talking about what it means to not love the world. What does it mean to not love the world? And who in the world is the Antichrist? Next week we will be on the Antichrist. What did John have to say about the spirit of Antichrist and the person of the Antichrist? A lot of talk about the Antichrist going around in our culture. We're going to see what John said. Now, verse 9. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother. How many of you say you're in the light? How many of you can say, I'm in the light? Some of you don't even know. I'm, I'm seeing this. How many of you are in the light? All right. If you say you're in the light and hate your brother... You're in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Isn't that powerful? Father, thank you for your word. We pray you'll open our eyes with understanding, give us wisdom and knowledge, edify and strengthen and exhort us and comfort us in the Holy Ghost. We're in a warfare, Lord. There is an enemy that we do battle with every day. Lord, help us to get victory over him by the word that abides in us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Can you say with me, I have victory through him who loved me, died for me, and rose from the dead. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. All right. Now, somebody asked me last week if if I could get them these notes that I've been showing you with transparencies, and they asked me where I got them. I write them. I, I, I write all this. I do it uh, during the week. And so uh, th- I haven't pulled these notes out of any curriculum. This is just me studying First John and putting it up here. So I'm thinking about if you really want the notes, and we can do this by email, if we can do this by email, then what I'll do is I'll put the notes in every week and just um, copy uh, the addresses and, and send you these notes, if you want them. Uh, so I don't know how to go about this. Maybe next week we can take the, the uh, email addresses up. And what I'll do is I'll just give you everything that I've already done and then what I'm going to do. And then you'll have all these notes if you want them, okay? All right, we saw last time that the darkness, which comprises all the forces of sin and Satan, is passing away like a parade in the street. Isn't that good to know that darkness is passing away? You look out there at the crime and at the sin and the darkness in the hearts of people, satanic activity and all the tragedy and heartache and weeping and, and shattered lives. And you go, it, it's so tough to look at that, but folks, it's passing away. John said it's passing away like a parade passes by on the street, and there is an end to that parade, and there is an end to Satan's kingdom coming. I mean, it will be totally ended. And so Satan's kingdom is terminal. It will one day end. Now, John tells us, starting in verse 9, that there are two classes of people in the world. Those who are in fellowship with God and therefore walk in light and love, and that ought to be you. You ought to have fellowship with God and be walking in light and in love. And then there are those who are not in fellowship with God and therefore they walk in darkness and hatred. And that is black and white. There is no in between, there is no fence. You're either walking in the light or you're not. And if you're not, you're in darkness. The absence of light is just darkness. So John said there's only two kinds of people in the world. You're either walking in fellowship with God through Jesus Christ, and thereby walking in light and love, or you're in fellowship, or you're not in fellowship with God, and you are walking in spiritual darkness and hatred. He who says, Listen. Let's read what John said together in verse 9. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. Now John's going to meddle. And here's what he's meddling with. Remember I told you, 1 John is written to distinguish between light and dark, between right and wrong. He's going in there with with a sharp knife and he's cutting between what is real, what is not real, true and false light and dark, godly and ungodly. And he says, if you say you're in the light, you're in fellowship with Jesus Christ, and you're walking in hatred towards a brother, you are not in the light. You're in darkness. You're in darkness until now. Now, the brother spoken of is a Christian. The word hate means to detest or to loathe. It may be accompanied by emotion or manifested as a settled disposition simmering underneath. If you really hate somebody, it doesn't mean you're necessarily going around spouting out negative things or hateful things about them, because you can be very outspoken about your hatred, or it can be a simmering, like a low boil underneath in your heart. But you just hate. It doesn't take long, does it? When you're watching TV, some of the things that happen on the news, some of the people who are interviewed. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to feel the hate, does it? Because they're in darkness. Now, brethren, here's what John's going to tell us. If you're a believer, you cannot walk in hatred and walk in the light. You can't do it because hatred is the opposite of God. It's the opposite. John tells us that God is love. And he who loves is born of God and knows God. Now, I'm not talking about not liking somebody. How many of you can say, I love some people I don't like? Isn't that interesting? Can I just take some pressure off of you? You don't have to like everybody. You just got to love everybody. Because if I had to like everybody, I guarantee I wouldn't like everybody and everybody wouldn't like me. But we can love everybody, can't we? How many of you have ever had to work with somebody, you know for sure you didn't like them, but you loved them? See, you can love and say, bless your brother, bless your sister, but inside say, ain't my type, that ain't my kind of person at all. And you can, they can be the fingernails and you the chalkboard, and you still can love them. But John says, when it comes to hate, detesting, loathing, Jesus taught us in the Sermon on the Mount, that if you have hate in your heart, it's the precursor to murder. Matter of fact, Jesus said if you hate, you have murdered. Because all murder is, is the final physical act that is affirming and confirming and attesting to what was in your heart. Murder was in your heart before you ever killed somebody. So Jesus said don't hate. Because if you hate, you're in danger of murdering somebody. And you know what? You don't have to kill them with a gun or a knife. You can murder somebody with words. People that hate one another do that all the time. We'll slander and gossip and and, uh, come against people verbally and murder them. There are people shut away in their homes, in their rooms, in isolated, solitary lives because people murdered them with words, with gossip, with slander. John said, and he's only backing up what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, if you hate you have murdered. Isn't that amazing? So as children of light, we can't hate. You can dislike, you can think less of somebody, you can think little of somebody, but you can't hate. Can't detest, can't loathe them. Matthew 5, here's an example, the same Greek word Jesus said, do good to those who detest and loathe you. Do good to them. Why in the world would I do good to somebody that detested me and loathed me? Because it keeps off of me bitterness. It keeps my heart free. Because Jesus knew, you get bitter, you're going to get filled with hate. You get filled with hate, your life is going to be misery. Titus 3.3, for we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived... Serving various lusts and pleasures. Living in malice and envy. And what were we doing? Let's say it. Hateful and hating one another. Do you remember how hateful you were? And I hope you're not that way anymore. You know, Billy Sunday preached a message once to a huge crowd of Christians called quit your meanness. And, you know, you've got to be so careful that as a believer, you don't slip into being a Pharisee and begin judging people and pointing that long judgmental finger at people and forgetting that you were once forgiven for sins and you used to be a hateful, difficult person to be around. I hope Jesus has made you sweeter. He's supposed to. supposed to be, if I stick you with a needle, Jesus comes out. All right, now, he says, that's the way we used to live. Look look at his take on our life before God we were foolish, we were disobedient, we were deceived, we were chasing after various lusts and pleasures, living in malice, living envying and jealous of other people, and hateful and being hateful or hating one another. We hated people. We hated. How many times did you say as a kid in junior high and high school and even elementary school, I hate them. I hate them. I hate her. I hate him. Jesus takes the hate out Now that describes the way we were, but if we walk in hate towards a brother or sister after being saved, we are walking around in the darkness. The minute you hate, you are walking around in the darkness. Now let's read verse 11 together. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Wow, 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 wow. You see the power of hate there? Now, here's what John is saying. The penalty of living in the darkness is not merely that one does not see, but that you literally do go blind spiritually. You go blind. Let's say your faith has an eye. And with the eye of faith, you look up and you believe the promises of God. With the eye of faith, you see what God sees. You see that Jesus is going to come back. With the eye of faith, you believe God's going to take care of your needs. With the eye of faith, you dream and you have visions and expectations for your future. Faith gives you an eye that allows you to see. With the eye of faith, with the eye of faith, you love one another. You know right from wrong. You're able to discern good from evil with the eye of faith. You're able to open up that Bible and it leaps out at you and it teaches you and you're able to understand the Word with the eye of faith. But when you allow hatred into your life, what it does, it blinds that eye. Now, John uses the aorist tense. I'm just going to throw this out. When I use... I'm going to use a little bit of Greek with you on these Wednesday night teachings. I want you to understand something. When when a, a verb tense is in the aorist tense, when a verb is in the aorist tense, it means something happened in the past and it's done. It was a completed action. The aorist tense means there was a completed action in the past. And what he's telling us is this. He uses the aorist tense with the word blinded, which means a completed event in the past, When the darkness of hatred overtakes you, it blinds you, and it's a finished event. You're blinded until you get rid of it. You're blinded until you get the hate out. You're blinded. It means that that, that, it's it's not that you were blind before you hated. What he's telling us is you had the eye of faith until you, got filled with hate and then hate blinded the eye of faith. Completed action. It's done. And the only way to undo it is to repent of hatred and get your heart full of love again. Say, well I don't like the people that I'm hating. They don't deserve my love. You don't deserve God's love. And I don't either. Well they're jerks. Well you're a jerk too sometimes. They're mean. Don't you remember? You used to walk around in hatred, being hateful and hating others, And but now Jesus has come into your heart. John is telling us if you're going to walk in hatred, there's a penalty. That's why, folks, we cannot afford to have racism in the church, discrimination in the church, judgmentalism in the church. None of these things. Because when that gets in, it blinds your eye of faith. Think of a a blind man walking around with that cane, tapping, trying to figure out where he's going. Nobody would want to be blind. But what happens is when hate, and you start loathing somebody, despising somebody, you think nothing but black, dark thoughts of them, and you allow hate to grow in your heart like a bitter weed. It says that hate moves in, air is tense, and it blinds you. You're blind now. Now, you know what that means? If you're spiritually blind, it's worse than if you got struck tonight with physical blindness. It's worse. Because when you're spiritually blind, John is telling us you can't see where you're going spiritually, you can't see where you're going. And that's really dangerous. The moment we allow hatred to consume our hearts, we become blinded and don't know where we're going. Picture a blind man with a cane feeling along. Hatred removes our ability to discern good from bad, wrong from right, and it guarantees future stumbling. Guarantees it. You show me somebody who is filled with hate, And it's only a matter of time before we hear of the crash of their life. It'll crash. They'll stumble. You know why they stumble? Because they didn't see where they were going. Because hatred blinds you. You can't see anymore. So things that usually you would have had the light of life, you would have had the eye of faith, you would have had the Holy Ghost living and, and, and breathing within you and guiding you and speaking to you, so that when you were faced with something that could have made you stumble, you see it for what it is and you walk away. But if you're filled with bitterness and hatred, you're blind. It has come along and blinded what was a 2020 eye of faith. Man. So if you can't love just because God told you to, love because of what it will do to you if you don't. Because you'll be walking along if you're filled with hatred and you're going to stumble and you're going to get up and go, how did that happen? You're going to stumble again and you'll stumble again. You're going to be bruised, bleeding, hurting on the inside in your soul. And you're going to wonder how this is happening to you because you're walking in hate. That means you can't hate in-laws means you can't hate mean bosses it means you can't hate president bush you can't hate i'll tell you who you can hate with impunity the devil oh hate him all day long but don't hate a human being because you don't want to blind your eye look what john says about love he who loves his brother abides in the light And what does it say read that next part with me there is no cause of stumbling in him see there's the opposite the word love is agapao agapao we we know it as agape agapao and it is the love that is self-sacrificing and gives of itself for the happiness and well-being of the fellow christian it puts others first now where does agapao come from it is supernaturally produced in our heart and overflows toward others only as a result of abiding in Jesus habitually. You get with Jesus every day. Let me tell you how you walk in love. You, you abide in the vine in the morning. And you get that word in you. And you pray a little bit you say, Lord, I'd give you every care, every one of my burdens. Here's my needs. Here, and I'm asking you to help me to know you better today than I ever knew you before. And, and you get into that Word of God and let it renew your mind. Then you're able, by the power of the Holy Ghost and the renewing of the Word of God, to walk out there and love everyone. And I've tried to work on that. I have. Uh, you know, somebody will do something that irritates me, gets on my nerves, and I catch myself going, I don't like them. It's none of you. None of you. I'm not even talking about you. It's, it's Tony there when we're playing racquetball. <laughs> we played racquetball Monday, and I lost both games. There was a moment there where I said, I don't like them. It was him and Frank. I like, I'm just trying to be, you know what I'm saying. Somebody will get on your nerves and you'll say, I don't really like them. And then, That's okay. But, but then you've got to say to yourself, uh, who was it? Will Rogers said, I've never met a man I didn't like. Well, Christians ought to be able to say, I've never let a per- met a person I didn't love with the love of God. So you have to say to yourself, this is a person Jesus loves. This is a person Jesus died for. In the natural, I wouldn't like them. In the natural, I wouldn't want to have anything to do with them. But when I meet them, or when I'm around them, I have to say, this is a person Jesus died for. And if you just train yourself that way, you can begin looking at everybody as a person of value. Now he says, it is supernaturally produced in our heart, overflows towards others as a result of abiding in Jesus habitually. The light is Jesus himself, and all that is written about him in his word. When you're walking in the light, it just means you're walking in Jesus, you're acting like Jesus, you're abiding in Jesus. John promises that as long as we are walking in love, there is no occasion for stumbling. Nothing to trip us up and make us fall. Why would that be? What what is the connection? That if I walk in love, I don't stumble. Let me tell you what I think it is. It's the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. So if you always walk in love towards other people, you will not do what offends them or causes them to stumble. He's saying there's no cause of stumbling in the person who habitually walks in love. If you just walk in the golden rule, would I want somebody giving me the look? So I'm not giving them the look. Would I want somebody talking about me? so I'm not gonna talk about them. Would I want somebody harshly judging me? No, so I'm not gonna harshly judge them. Would I want somebody to cut me some slack? Yeah, so I'm gonna cut them some slack. Would I want everybody in the world being hard-nosed with me, or would I want mercy? Well, then that's exactly what I'll do, I'll give mercy. Let God do the judging. He's the only one that's got the corner on the vengeance market anyway. Vengeance is not yours. It's God's. I know what you're thinking. Well, he takes too long. I want to go whoop him. I know exactly what you're thinking. (laughs) How many of you ever ever argued with God? Why are you taking? I've given you the vengeance market. How come you're not doing anything? And and there's only one answer. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. You're just going to have to trust me and give me time. If you were God, we wouldn't be here. All that'd be out there is piles of ashes where people used to be. There'd be one or two churches in the whole city, and they wouldn't last long. Now So amen, let's just say, walk in love, and you will not stumble. Isn't that beautiful? Now. John addresses three groups of believers and This is so good. I never looked at it as closely as I have lately. Three groups of believers in verses 12 through 14. Let's name them. Little children, fathers, and young men. He addresses each group twice. And here's what he addresses them for. The little children for what they have received. Then the fathers for what they have known. And the young men for what they have conquered. Now, verse 12, let's look at little children for a minute. He says, I I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you. Why, everybody? For his name said, literally the Greek would read, because of the name. Because of the name. Now, little children in that verse 12 means little born ones. He's talking really affectionately here. Little born
1: ones. And he's not talking about little kids running around like downstairs. He's just saying, those of you who have been born of God,
0: little born ones, they're young in God. They may be 50, but they're young in God. He said, you've been forgiven. Now, forgiven is in the perfect tense. Now, I told you about the perfect tense. Perfect tense means that something happened in the past, and I'm feeling the result still today. That's the perfect tense. So, I tell you folks, the, the perfect tense is a beautiful thing in the Greek language. It's a beautiful thing when it comes to theology, because, uh, well, we'll get to that in just a minute, but watch this now. Forgiven is in the perfect tense. That means uh, uh, God is saying that our sins were put away at the cross,
1: but we feel it to this day because they will never be remembered against us ever again. He puts it in the perfect tense. I'm writing to you, little born ones, that your sins are forgiven. He forgave them at the cross, and you're forgiven as I write to you, and you're going to be forgiven for all eternity because the blood of the Lamb covered us forever. Amen. When Jesus said on the cross, what did he say? It is finished. Jesus used the perfect tense, which means the atonement for our sins was complete and would forever be the all-sufficient payment for sin We don't need anything else, we don't need to go hug a tree, we don't need another God, we don't need another religion, we don't need anything else added to it or anything subtracted from it. The blood of the Lamb, when it ran down that old rugged cross, washed our sins away, removed them from us as far as the east is from the west, and He did it forever and forever and forever. is powerful. When Jesus said his sin on the cross, he used the perfect tense. All sufficient payments for sin. John tells them that they were forgiven for his name's sake. Or literally, because of his name. You are forgiven. Why were you forgiven? Because you were so smart, had so much talent, you were pretty or handsome. No, no, no. You were forgiven because of the name. The name of Jesus, which means redemption. John addresses the little children again, but this time he uses a different Greek word, meaning little children under instruction, not little born ones, but the second time he uses it, he uses a word that means little child under instruction. He's addressing them as children who are under training. They are children of God who are willingly submitting to the discipline and training of the Word. What do you mean? I thought I just got fired and I thought I just got saved and went to heaven someday. No. You came under training. You came under training. Little born ones, you are also little children under training. And God has a purpose for you. And you're never going to lose that purpose unless you submit to the training. The training of the Word, the training of the Holy Ghost. Develop a lifestyle where you obey the Holy Spirit and obey the Word of God. We're under training.
2: we progress and we come to know. We know by no, no. Is there the the father? The Thank uh-huh. you.